Hey everybody, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. I'm grateful that you have uh, chosen to listen today. For those of you that are listening to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast for the very first time, thank you for tuning in. Not sure how you found us. Would love to hear how you found us, to be honest with you. And um, just glad that you're here today. My name is Jeff Lyle. Uh, I get to be the podcast host and the teacher and share from week to week. Usually we drop a new podcast every single Tuesday morning. That's the normal schedule. And uh, my goal in Mavericks and Misfits is, again, just to uphold the authority of the scriptures and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. And I'm finding that as people who uh, love the Word of God and love the Spirit of God, uh, they're kind of emerging because our churches had had kind of kept us uh, in one category or the other. Most most Christians and churches are either word people or spirit people. And what we're seeing is what's happening in the church across denominations is people are becoming word and spirit people. And so if you are one of those, at this point, you're still a bit of a maverick and you're probably a misfit because people that believe the Holy Scriptures and hold to them without compromise, those are rare people. But even more rare are the people that hold to the Scriptures who also embrace the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I am unapologetically both. I'm grateful to God for bringing me to that place for a lot of years. I was just a word guy. And today I want to share with you because I get questions regularly. People know it's a part of my testimony. How did a Baptist guy, that's what I was. How did a Baptist guy, not just a Baptist, let me clarify this, an independent fundamental Baptist, like hardcore traditions, standards, and in my case, legalism. How did that guy become a prophetic tongue-talking, believing in signs and wonders and encounters with God kind of guy. Well, I can tell you I didn't set out to be that dude, but I did pray a very, very dangerous prayer for about nine months, uh, beginning in um, really the, probably the year 2001, um, the end of 2001, just really began praying into 2002. Uh, I prayed, I think every day, maybe not every day, but almost every day. I just began praying sincerely, God, I want everything you have for me. I was encouraged to pray that prayer prayer by a, um, an African-American lady named Deborah, who I was in, I would meet with, uh, as I walked through her company where she worked, I was a chaplain and, uh, she knew I loved the Lord and she knew I loved the word of God, but she also knew that where I was, I was very, um, I guess pessimistic, or uh, I was a. Little, I, I didn't really believe in all the Pentecostal stuff. <laughs> I had, I had been trained not to believe in it. I had, of course, never been around it, but I was trained to stay away from the crazy Holy Spirit crowd. And so this lady, though, was full of the Word, full of love, full of grace, full of always just full of truth. And she just kept telling me, Jeff, God's marked you. You're going to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I was pretty defensive. I was like, bless God, I've already got the Holy Spirit. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you're not even a Christian. So therefore, Deborah, I have the Holy Spirit. She'd be like, settle down, little fella. Um, I know you've got the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't have all of you yet. And so she just encouraged me. She said, Jeff, just pray this, the most easy prayer in the world. Pray to the Father that he'll give you everything that he wants you to have and keep praying that until you notice a change. And so that sounded very reasonable to me. And so I began praying that in 2001 and into 2002, and lo and behold, God shocked me. And so I want to tell you a little bit about that today. I'm going to do it in a unique way. Um, There are really two primary life-changing baptisms from the Holy Spirit that I experienced. And I'm not talking about 
being baptized by the Spirit into Christ at the moment of salvation. That, that happens to every Christian. Every Christian has been baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. But G, uh, John the Baptist said that when Jesus came, he would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. With the Holy Spirit. Not the baptism by the Holy Spirit into Christ, but the baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire by Jesus. So Jesus desires to baptize all Christians with the Holy Spirit and fire. So that's got to mean something, okay? And a lot of Christians like I was back in the day, they just assume that means getting saved. And it's not what that means. Uh, there are multiple baptisms, multiple spiritual baptisms. And the baptism of Holy Spirit fire, um, I'll just go ahead and risk it. Most Christians haven't experienced that because they haven't been taught that they can or they've been taught that they can't, or they've been taught that anything after salvation is a counterfeit experience. You got everything you needed the moment you were saved. Well, no, you got Jesus. You got justified the moment you were saved. You got saved the moment you were saved. But I'm going to tell you, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is like really, really important. So I thought to myself, because I get questions on it often, and I don't really talk about my book very often. We tell you, you can get a copy of it. But I actually dedicated two chapters so that I could document what happened to me. What I mean, people ask me all the time. I like, and it's so cool now because, like, for the first couple of years, like, people are like, "What happened to Jeff? Jeff has compromised. Jeff has gone crazy. Jeff has fallen off the doctrinal wagon." So those are the questions I used to get. But now, what's amazing? Here we are. You know good night alive we're I'm getting older but I'm 20 years down the road from this initial experience um and now people are saying Jeff Jeff what happened to you man I want to know what happened to you I, I want to know if I can experience something similar in my life what am I missing that I need is there something that I have not tasted of yet that God has for me and it's been my joy to help a lot of people Baptist Methodist Presbyterian um, even people that didn't have a denominational background to step into the fullness of the Lord. And where, whereas there is a part of it that is 100% on God, but there's another part of it that is 100% on us. And that part that is on us is primarily expressed in spiritual hunger. Like if your Christianity is only in your mind, like it's only about what you think and what you believe in your mind, then you haven't gone all the way where God wants you to go yet. There is encounter. There is experience. There is a very real personal God who is the same God that he was in the book of Acts, the book of the Gospels, the Old Testament. Like he's real and he's available and he's not hiding from us. And so there in my book called Figuring It Out As I Go, uh, this is my book. It's a, it's a little bit of a biography. And I talk about my childhood in the first half of the book and the difficulties there, the drug abuse and the drinking and all the sinful way that I lived my life, even though I grew up in church and all of that stuff. That's the first half of the book. But then around chapter um, 18, I, I start talking about it. I've been saved. I've been walking with the Lord. I've been saved by the time I, chapter 18 comes along. I've been saved like eight years. So I was a pretty happy Christian. Like I had never really had any Holy Spirit encounters I had feelings and I had surges of joy and spiritual emotion, all that. But I, I don't think I had had any real intense Holy Spirit encounters, not, not to the degree that I'm going to describe here in a few moments, until um, the time period of about probably about eight years after I was saved. And this is reflected in chapter 18 of figuring out as I go. And the name of that chapter is The Day That God Pounced. And I describe, I'm writing in that chapter about 
me being, I had been the pastor. I had been made the pastor of, of what was then called Meadow Baptist Church. We are an independent, fundamental, King James only. Women can't wear pants, better sing out of the hymn book. Uh, men can't have long hair. Facial hair was frowned upon. I mean, there were a lot of rules. I didn't create those things, but that's the place where God sovereignly put me when I got saved. And those people loved me. Those people taught me so much from the word. They provided community for me. They, they were a great group of people. But I do believe they had been um, not fully informed biblically. It wasn't a necessarily a, a pure biblical church. It was a Bible plus traditions church. And good people. I'm not. I'm not bad mouthing them at all. But that's just that just wasn't enough for me. So I became a word guy and just started saying, "Okay, I hear all the traditions. What does the Bible say?" And so eventually, God allowed me to become the pastor of that church when my pastor resigned. And literally, um, four months. Is that right? Let's see. November to February. So whatever that is, three and a half months um, into me being the pastor of Meadow Fundamental Independent Baptist Church. I, I had a day where God pounced. And so I'm going to read to you just a little bit out of this. And I hope this will encourage somebody. I hope it'll make you hungry. Like if God did this for me when I wasn't really precisely seeking it, what might he do for those of you who are precisely seeking him? What might he give you as you seek him? So here, here's, where, here's where I want to uh, begin reading. And so again, uh, it's chapter 18. It's the day God pounced in my book, figuring out it, it goes. And this is, I'm just picking up in the middle of a page. It says, as usual, within my normal prayer flow, I began to thank God for Amy and Alicia. Landon was still a couple of years away at this point. I began to thank God for the ministry he had entrusted to me and whatever, or whoever else was on my prayer list for that particular day. What happened next was definitely not on my agenda nor was it written anywhere on my prayer list. Let me describe those moments to the best of my human ability. I intentionally have refused over the years to make this spiritual encounter anything other than what it was that day. It was a full-scale, sovereignly initiated, heaven-scheduled, unprecedented, unannounced ambush of my life by the third person of the Godhead, none other than the Holy Spirit. Or, for people who prefer a more succinct description, God pounced. Let me explain. As I went a little further into my normal prayer time, I remember beginning to feel tremendous joy swirling inside of me as I continued to give thanks to God for all that he had granted to me. My normal outward expression is not necessarily one of overflowing joy. It really never has been. Although I am passionate and expressive in my faith, joyfully exuberant is not a description most people would immediately associate with me upon, upon first impression. On this particular day, in a very short time, I was inwardly eclipsing any previous sense of joy I had ever experienced. I felt it moving in my whole body. Literally, I could feel the substance of joy in my limbs, my back, and my stomach. My prayers and thanksgiving quickly erupted into tearful praise. Thankfully, nobody else was in the office that early, so my volume increased as did my sense of God's presence in my office. Now, please remember that I had been a very committed Baptist boy for all eight and a half years of my Christian life. I had only been to one charismatic church service during that time, and it was a bit of a bust. Only once before in my childhood had I ever heard anyone speak in tongues, and quite honestly, it frightened me as a young boy. I had not specifically asked God for any particular gift of the Holy Spirit, although I had been praying for nearly a year for him to give me all that he wanted for me. 
on that particular morning as this volcanic joy began to move powerfully inside of me. My prayers in the English language became prayers in a language that I had never heard. Foreign sounds were coming out of my mouth during prayer. For the first time in my life, I had just spoken in tongues. No more than 10 or 15 syllables came out of me in that odd-sounding speech before I literally clamped both of my hands over my mouth. My denominational instinct intruded into this undefinable spiritual experience, and guilt and fear hit me as strongly as the joy had hit me a few minutes earlier. I literally said out loud to God, I'm sorry, Lord. I want to be as clear as I can be. God had sovereignly bestowed upon me the gift of tongues in my office in February of 2003, just a few short months after I had been installed as the senior pastor of Meadow Independent Fundamental Baptist Church. I did not ask him for this gift. I did not necessarily want this gift. I had not heard anyone speak in tongues except for the one occasion more than two decades earlier as a boy. What came out of my mouth that morning was an unsolicited manifestation of God the Spirit moving powerfully within me. Now, I appreciate you letting me read out of chapter 18 and figuring out as I go. And even as I read it, my mind was transported back to that little office with its green walls and my large, huge cherry wood desk. And I was there in my shirt and tie at, you know, probably 6 a.m. in the morning. If a scene was to not be created or to be created not to have a move of the Holy Spirit, it was that scene. Because outwardly, there was nothing that would have welcomed the Holy Spirit. There was no Bethel music. There was no soaking music. There was no, there was nothing. It was just me, my Bible, my prayer list. And God said, do you remember all of those prayers you've been praying for me to give you everything you want? I said, yes, Lord. I didn't really say this, but I'm looking back on it. It feels this way. He says, I'm about to do it to you. And guys, I'm telling you, it wrecked me. It wrecked me. Now, I'm going to I'm going to have to admit something. I I I didn't I didn't walk it out. My fear of man, which I preached on the last podcast, you should go back and look look listen to it. Um, the fear of man was so strong in me that I was terrified of what might happen uh, with my new calling, my new assignment, with my wife. You know, Amy had been a Baptist girl her whole life, and you know what would people think? I'm talking in tongues. I didn't have any charismatic friends. I didn't have a single charismatic friend single Pentecostal friend, not anybody that spoke in tongues. And so what I told the Lord, because the next day, by the way, I didn't read that part, but you know, I clamped my hand over my mouth that day. I apologized because I've been taught my whole life that tongues were demonic, that tongues were of the flesh, that tongues had disappeared. And so I had all this conflict in me. I had my theological stuff and I had my traditional stuff and I had the expectation of people all over my life. And then ultimately I had this experience that I knew was supernatural and real and it was connected to joy. But I just got up from my prayer desk that day and I just like, okay, I'm not going to pray anymore <laughs> for that day. The next morning I came in, it was wash, rinse, repeat. The exact same thing happened. So at that point on day two, I knew God was giving me this gift. But let me tell you what I did because of the fear of man, because of me rationalizing that I could not be a Baptist pastor and speak in tongues. And I certainly couldn't lead the church into it. I literally prayed the next day. I said, Lord, I'm a Baptist pastor and we don't do this. It'll kill the church. I can't do this. And let me tell you what happened. For about two plus years, I never spoke in tongues again. Now, some of you Pentecostal people that are listening, you're like, how could you do that, dude? Well, I'm just telling you my sins. I was afraid of what people would think, and I quenched the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting is God didn't, you know, 
kick me to the curb or reject me or anything like that. He actually continued to bless the church. The church was booming. The church grew. People were getting saved. We outgrew our building. Uh, we ended up moving to a larger building about 10 minutes away from where we were. I mean, the thing was going great. But as, as that was happening, I found myself about two years later in over my head. Ministry was just way too big for me. I could not do it in my own power. I, I think I had tapped out my, my gifting, my power, my ability to lead, all the stuff that we do um, sometimes in, in the flesh. You know, I was, I, I didn't feel like I was doing it in the flesh, but I know now looking back that I wasn't cooperating fully with what God was wanting to do. So there had to be some element of flesh and God was just gr- giving me much grace. He's let me come to the end of myself. And so, you know, then I, I finally got to that breaking point. And I told God, I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You want me to speak in tongues? I'll speak in tongues. You want me to prophesy? God, I don't even know what that means, but I'll prophesy. Lord, I believe in these gifts. I'm tired of being uh, one who's quenching the spirit. And so I, I, I took a step forward. I said, God, whatever you want to do. And immediately I was baptized again. I'm talking about spiritual baptism. Immediately in that season, I began to pray in tongues. And here's the thing. I would love to tell you that I went public. I went forward. I told the church, this is what we all need. I didn't do any of that. I didn't do any of that at all. I kept it private. So although I wasn't, I wasn't quenching the spirit in my private life, I still felt like I didn't have permission. I don't know. God will have to tell me when I get to heaven. Was that still the fear of man or was that being wise? I don't know. Probably both. Um, because I didn't want to deal with the issues of what people would say and think about me coming out of the charismatic closet and saying, I know I'm a Baptist pastor, but I pray in tongues every day. And so I kept it hidden. And, uh, so we move up to, um, our new building and I'm going to take you to chapter 23. I'm gonna read one more section and, and I hope this is helping. I hope this is blessing. I hope it's making you hungry. Because some of you don't pray in tongues. And listen, tongues is not like the mark of spiritual maturity. As a matter of fact, I know a lot of immature people that pray in tongues. But what I am saying is that the Bible says a lot about it. Matter of fact, if you, if you go back to Mavericks and Misfits archives, I do multiple podcasts on the gift of tongues. You'll have to scroll back all the way probably to the end of 2020, like November, December 2020. And I do a whole thing on the gifts of the Spirit. And just go find the archives at maverickmisfit.com. And, and listen to those, because if I, I believe that the, the, the ability to pray in tongues is something that all people can do. I differentiate between the gift of tongues, which is prophetic and meant to, use, meant to be used in the, in the gathered body, and it has to be used with interpretation if you're going to use it prophetically. But I do believe in the, in the ability to pray in tongues is available to everybody, and it's changed my life. I make no apologies for it, even to the possibility of upsetting some of y'all or y'all like how can Jeff be a word guy and he's praying in tongues well I'm just following Paul because the same man who was the brilliant theologian that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament also wrote I pray in tongues more than all of you and then he also said I would that all of you would pray in tongues he wanted people to pray in tongues he prayed in tongues more than anybody he was a theological genius so um, I'm going to flash forward to chapter number 23 because this is what I would call my second baptism And I will have to say that this baptism of the Spirit was more profound in my life and had far more results than the initial baptism where I spoke in tongues that I just I just read to you from chapter 18 of figuring out as I go. Now I'm going to be in chapter 23. So five chapters later, and by the way, um, many years later, I'm I'm in a season at the church at that time where I'm getting hammered by opposition. 
I mean, straight up hammered. Some of the worst hammering of religious spirits I've ever gone through in ministry. Not the worst, but some of the worst. And in particular, there were three different men, independently of each other, all resisting and fighting my leadership. And I had been for weeks just kind of like rolling around and losing sleep. And what am I going to do? And they wouldn't listen to me and I couldn't get out of it. It was just, it was nonstop annoyance. It was like shimmy-eye in the life of David. They were throwing stones at me. And it was just grievous to my spirit. So I landed, I come back from Minneapolis from a Desiring God conference and landed in Atlanta. When I turned my phone on as I was uh, deboarding the plane, my phone blows up. People have been texting me because these three guys had been going to war while I was gone and taking advantage of my absence. And so I called up a friend of mine. His name was Jude. Jude is um, a pastor prophet from Nigeria. He's a big man, like really like a big, imposing, like powerful, highly masculine, but very calm man. And he and I had been praying together for um, months. He, he ended up at our Baptist church. He, he used to tell me, I don't know why I'm in a, in a white American church that doesn't practice the gifts of the spirit, but God told me to come here and minister to you. And I was like, thank you, God. Thank you, Jude. So I called Jude that day and um, I said, hey, bro, I just got off a plane. I got these three guys hammering me. Can you get with me? He goes, let's pray. I, said, I remember him saying, he goes, let's pray. It was a Nigerian accent. Let, let's pray. And so we met in my office and let me begin reading from chapter 23 and I call this chapter in the book, Figuring Out As I Go, I call it a baptism of courage. And this is what I write about Jude. Um, let, me, let, me, let me back up. Um, I'm trying to find it. Okay. So it says, I called Jude and he agreed to meet me in my office to pray. An hour later, he was seated across from me, his big frame filling out an armchair while he listened patiently to my sob story. I was tired of fighting these men. I was weary of my leadership being attacked. I began to cry tears of exhaustion from years of having to battle for every square foot of advance that God had offered to me at the church. When would I be free from the religious spirit that dominated our church? When would opposition be removed by God? Honestly, I was crumbling right there in the presence of my brother from Nigeria. He watched me as I whined and I wept for 30 solid minutes about these three men in the church who were gunning for me. If you know anything about Nigerian prophets, you know that they don't play around. They are bold as lions and fierce with the fire of God. In the midst of my pitiful crying, I heard Jude shout out in his thick African accent, Man of God, stop your crying right now. Stop it. We will pray. <laughs> what happened in the next half hour is still one of the most supernatural events I've ever experienced. If you struggle with my account of receiving the gift of tongues in the earlier part of this book, you should buckle up for what I'm about to tell you. I promise you that it is true. I have no idea if what I experienced was in the natural realm or the realm of the spirit. Maybe it was both. I simply do not know. Here is what played out in my office. After Jude authoritatively summoned me to wipe my tears, cease from whimpering, and engage in warfare prayer alongside of him, the prophet from Nigeria took control of the room. Jude began to call out to God for a baptism of courage for me. He prayed some highly Africanized prayers that used poetic language involving the removal of demonic st spirits from Meadow Baptist Church. He spoke a curse against the spirits of rebellion and religion at work and the three men who were uh, underhandedly fighting against me. Jude called on God to break them in that very moment and bring them to repentance. I remember him declaring that should they not be willing to repent, that they would be yanked up instantly by their roots and removed from the church. 
He then rebuked the spirit of fear that was at work within me. He called out my orphan spirit within me and powerfully spoke sonship into my life. Somewhere in the midst of all that he was saying, Jude began to pray loudly in tongues. I began weeping as I joined him in praying in the spirit. It was at this peak of spiritual saturation in the room when I opened my eyes. While we were praying together, I had felt like I was in a different place other than my office. So I opened my eyes just to physically orient where I was. This is where I could no longer tell if what I was seeing was natural or supernatural. My whole office was clouded with a thin white mist. It was cool on my skin, bright white, and basically transparent. I would describe it as a haze, but it had more texture than a haze. It was bright, but unlike the light, it had dimension to it. It was not as defined as snow, but it was fuller than fog. I was astounded for about 10 seconds. Then I became aware that Jews' prayers had transitioned back to English. He made a series of potent declarations over me and called me to enter into declarations of faith about the opposition I was experiencing. My heart was racing as I repeated bold statements of victory over the three men's schemes to undermine my leadership. I renounced fear. I renounced my former state of allowing myself to be intimidated by them. I committed to obeying the Lord's directions without hesitation. Not long after this, Jude and I sealed our prayers by invoking the name of Jesus over everything I had asked, declared, and believed. When I opened my eyes and stood up, I was filled with a new and measurable courage. The white mist was dissipating but still visible to me. I know that sounds insane to some of you reading, but I can only tell you what I truly experienced Uh, that I truly experienced it as the presence of God had been filling me and the room in which I sat. Jude remained in his chair and listened in as I reached out to each of the three men on my office phone and called them into accountability over what they had been doing while I was away at the conference. Not surprisingly, none of them delighted in what I was telling them. I exposed their underhanded schemes to each of them. I called them to meet with me and the elders to lay everything out in public that they had been slanderously advancing in private whispered conversations. Operating in a fresh endowment from the Holy Spirit that had just been given me, I felt zero traces of fear. Righteousness was ruling in my heart and mind again, and the fear of man had been entirely removed from me. Now that's reading out of chapter 23 in that chapter I called a baptism of courage. Let me tell you something. Tongues is one thing, and it's good. But tongues edifies me. Tongues, when I pray in tongues, when you pray in tongues, if you pray in tongues, it edifies you. You build yourself up in your most holy faith. What happened to me in the office with that Nigerian prophet, my friend Jude, what happened to me didn't merely benefit me. It changed the trajectory of how I ministered. I have never been the same since that day. I no longer struggle with the fear of man like I did prior to that day. Something happened in that encounter in my office that shifted my whole internal clock. Everything within me, my compass internally, began to move in a new direction. And guys, I want to just say this. It wasn't because I got a clear word. It it wasn't because God gave me five verses of scripture on the fear of man. I already knew all those scriptures. It, It wasn't because I did something. It was because God did something. It was because in that encounter in my office, which I would say is probably still to this day, top five high level spiritual encounters I've ever had. It's probably only one of two encounters where I wasn't sure 
if what I was seeing was natural or vision, supernatural. Uh, all I know is it was just intense, and I've never been the same. W- what happened is a yoke got broken off of me in that season. The fear of man would never be allowed to rule me again. To this very day, when I'm opposed, I remember what God deposited in me on that day. When people fight me, when they slander me, when they, and it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. I promise you, if you're in leadership, people are going to talk about you. And if you're a pastor, you're leading a church, people are going to oppose your leadership. That's just the way it works, man. If you, if you want to be in ministry and you think it's all Instagram and Facebook and cool shots and filters and all that, don't sign up for ministry because you won't make it. But if you're willing to go and wage war against the world, the flesh, and the devil, then go ahead and get in ministry and lead well. And so the back end of that whole experience was that um, very shortly thereafter, I began to transition Meadow Baptist Church into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I taught a 13-week series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I met with a couple of high-level prophetic people, one of whom was R.T. Kendall, Dr. R.T. Kendall. And um, he let me know. He said, Jeff, go back. If you're willing to bear the stigma of being called a charismatic by your Baptist friends, then go back, teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You will lose one third of your church. The two thirds that remain will move into a season of strength like your church has never had. R.T. Kendall prophesied that over me at the end, not even at the end. By the time that that uh, 12, 13 week series on the gifts of the Spirit ended at Meadow Baptist Church, I lost one third of the church. Is a price to pay. There's a price to pay for bold, courageous leadership. If you're addicted in leadership to having people like you, if you, like I did, listen, I'm, I already confessed in this podcast that I lived under the fear of man for a long time and I missed so many, I wasted years. It's not that God didn't work in those years. It's just that it, it wasn't what it could have been. All because I cared too much about what people would say. By that time, after that meeting with Jude, we transitioned to, um, an organically New Testament gospel church that affirmed the authority of the scriptures and the necessity of the word. I lost a third of the church, but the two thirds that remained became vibrantly alive. Baptists were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptists were operating in gifts that we, <laughs> we didn't understand. Like we always called prophecy discernment. We, we, we had these gifts operative. We just didn't use Bible terms for them. <laughs> word of knowledge was discernment or God laid it on my heart. And it's just so funny. The gifts were there, but we, we were told that they weren't valid. So we just, <laughs> we called them something else and we didn't do it consciously. We just did it. And so what ended up happening, long story short, is that that fundamentalist Baptist church that was now operating in the gifts of the spirit and the authority of the word merged with an assemblies of God church. So Meadow Baptist merged with Cornerstone Assemblies of God with my friend Dustin Pennington. We became co-pastors. And no, who does that, man? Where, where do the Baptists and the Assemblies of God merge? Lou Engel prophesied over mine and Dustin's merger of our churches. <clears throat> and he said of the Baptists, the sons of Spurgeon have, have merged with the sons of Azusa over the Pentecostals. So it's just a powerful thought. It was a glorious time and it was so good. I look back on it very fondly now and I love those years with Dustin and, and what, what ended up becoming Newbridge Church and then Newbridge Church merged with the prayer movement with IHOP Atlanta and Billy Humphrey. And so it was just an amazing, crazy season. Uh, crazy good, crazy hard, but worth every bit of it. So as I close today's podcast, I just, I just wanted to share that with you. Now, some of you know, if you're interested in reading the full story, 
of, of you know, the tr- crazy trajectory where God began working in my life as a little boy and then brought me to this place that I've described today in these readings. Grab a copy of Figuring Out as I go. You can get it off of transformingtruth.org or you can get it off of Amazon or audible.com if you prefer to hear me narrate it. But um, I think that book will help some of you. Some of you need it right now. Some of you are just kind of caught in the gears of trying to be word only or trying to be spirit only and you're trying to hold down stuff that your hands aren't big enough to hold down. You need to welcome God the Spirit to do whatever he wants in your life. And if it jacks up what people think about you that's okay that's okay you'll learn through it i did you're, you're gonna, people are gonna talk about you that's okay and by the way for some of you that are charismatics um you need to be unembarrassed about being a word person you know i just most of this was because i was reading of a season i was coming out of the baptist world into the charismatic world uh a lot of the emphasis is on you know hey baptist you need the holy spirit but let me just say to my charismatic friends you need the bible man you need to get in the written word of god study it like, get in Caneo Ministry Training Center with me. That's a school I help lead along with Dr. Karen Smith, Dr. Todd Smith, Dr. Roberts Laird. And, and, and get in there and let us teach you the Word of God. So instead of just going from conference to conference and service to service, looking from encounter to encounter, get grounded and anchored in the Word. You need the anchor of the Word and you need the mainsail of the Spirit. If the, if the Christian life is a boat, we need the anchor and the sail. And so, you know, check it out, caneomtc.com. K-I-N-E-O-M-T-C dot com. Caneo Ministry Training Center. Get in there and get registered. And uh, look, the month of July is open registration for the new school year. You can take it at home. You can take it online. You can take it at one of our 29 campuses. Or you can come to Dawsonville and get involved there in the in, uh, in-person classes. I'm just saying this. Charismatic people get in the word. You can't flop around on the floor and bark at the moon. That's not the Christian life. You need, listen, I believe in counters. I've already told you I believe in that. But that's not the sum total of what it means to be spirit-filled. The Holy Spirit inspired the word. And if you're, you call yourself a spirit-filled Christian and you're allergic to your Bible and studying your Bible, then you're not as spiritual as you think. So I challenge you, get in the word of God. And those of you that love the word of God, you need to pray that prayer of surrender. God, give me everything you want to give me. Be hungry. My encounter with being sovereignly baptized in the spirit and speaking tongues, that's a rare encounter. I've I've only heard maybe one or two people in all these years, 20 something years, I've only heard one or two people that had that same experience. So at some point, you're probably going to need to connect with people that can lay hands on you, can help you. Um, listen, go back and listen to those podcasts I did on tongues, like go back. And I think there's four podcasts on tongues. I think it's like November, December, January, November, December of 20, 2020, and maybe January of 2021. There's somewhere in there. Go to maverickmisfit.com, scroll or wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can scroll in the archives and listen to those and just ask yourself, what if God wants to give you the gift of tongues so that when you're praying in the spirit, things get unlocked in your life that are not accessible to you outside of praying in the spirit? Wouldn't you want everything that God has for you? Of course you do. But don't come in there thinking, well, it not, needs to be nice, neat, and tidy. The two passages I just read from you, read to you from figuring out as I go from my book, they weren't nice, neat, and tidy. They messed up stuff on the outside. They did. They, they, I lost credibility with people. To this day, some of those people think I went off the deep end. Some people are bitter because they view that I took their church and turned it into whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, I can live with that. I can live with it. I was just doing what the Lord wanted me to do. And he'll do the same thing with you. 
Hey, my time's gone. Appreciate you giving me a chance to share my testimony. Go to transformingtruth.org. Check out all the resources there. I am serious. Go to Caneo MTC. Register for school. Get and start investing. You're the steward of your own edification. It's nobody else's job to help you grow in the sense of uh, doing it for you. You're the steward of your own edification. So take advantage of this season, these opportunities, and let's be proactive together. And I'll see you, or you listen, you'll hear me. I won't see you at all, actually, on the podcast, but you'll hear me next Tuesday. We'll drop a new episode of Mavericks and Misfits. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.